This is an AMI podcast. I'm Juita Gupta, and this is The Pulse. Multiple sclerosis is a potentially disabling disease of the brain and spinal cord. In MS, the immune system attacks the protective sheath that covers nerve fibers and causes communication problems between the brain and the rest of the body. Millions of people around the world live with MS. The symptoms and prognosis of the disease can vary from case to case. There is no cure for MS, but treatments can help manage symptoms, aid recovery, and change the course of the illness. March is recognized as Multiple Sclerosis Awareness Month, which hopes to raise the profile of the illness and fund research for treatments and cures. Today, we discuss Multiple Sclerosis Awareness Month. It's time to put your finger on the pulse. Hello and welcome to The Pulse on AMI-audio. My name is Joetha Gupta and I'm the host and producer of the program and it's very good to be with you again. I hope that everyone is keeping well, staying safe, staying connected with friends and family as we get closer to the one year anniversary of the COVID-19 pandemic. There is so much to look back on and so much to look forward to. But of course, pandemic or not, life does go on and people do try to make the most of their situations. One of the ways in which we want to almost shift the focus away from the pandemic a little bit is by talking about Multiple Sclerosis Awareness Month. It's an issue that I've long wanted to cover on the program, but not really had a chance to speak to someone who could bring together both some expertise, but also share their lived experience. One such guest is Julian Ocello, who is both a, a soccer athlete and is well known for that, but also um, someone who was diagnosed with multiple sclerosis in 2011, and he is joining us today to share his story from Richmond Hill, Ontario. Julian, welcome to The Pulse. It's really good to have you on the program. Thanks so much for speaking to us today. Thank you for having me. It's really appreciated. You know, before we get into talking about MS, uh, it's worth talking about your athletic career because it is something that you clearly love. Tell me about when you started to play soccer. Uh, so I started playing soccer at the age of three. I mean, as uh, every kid would, um, it was a sport that I obviously, uh, I kept playing. It was a sport I enjoyed, especially being in the outdoors and, and being able to, um, to just play with some friends. Um, as the years went by, I sort of started getting more competitive, uh, with that up until about the age of nine or 10 years old, where I started taking it seriously, um, and actually, training day in and day out to become that professional athlete that I wanted to. Once I hit 14 years old is when I noticed that I was much uh, more excelled in the sport than players my age, um, which led me to playing with older older groups, uh, you know, playing when I was 14, playing with 18 and 19-year-olds, and obviously being recognized by the European soccer side of it as well. Um, when I was about 15 years old was when I actually went to Manchester United uh, in England. I got my first uh, trial there as they asked me to go down there. Fortunately, I uh, wasn't able to get my passport in time while I was there. So after approximately five or six months, I had to come back uh, to Canada. 
where after that, six months later, I got asked to go down to Italy, where I ended mm. up starting my professional career uh, with AC Milan, uh, which is one of the richest clubs, well, which was actually the richest club in the world at that point. I mean, obviously choosing the professional side of it while having 20 full scholarships to the States. I, I looked at it as any kid would have, and I think chose the European route of the professional athlete side of the world. I was there for approximately 10 years, obviously playing at the highest levels uh, in the world, you know, even nationally with the men's national team with Canada and uh, making it as high as I did uh, until obviously that one day uh, that I was diagnosed with uh, multiple sclerosis in 2011. But from a kid till, you know, till I was diagnosed, I have to say that soccer was a big part of my life. It was what I lived for. It was what I ate, what I drank, whatever I did was only soccer related. And I think that's what differed me from other kids my age that were interested mm -hmm. in, you know, friends and the going out and, um, you know, girls and whatever it might be. I was always interested in training, which I did three to four times a day, uh, every day until obviously uh, I ended up moving to Europe by myself. Soccer, your one true love, I take it. Um, tell me a little bit about the highlights. I mean, you've, you've sort of outlined your career for us, but share yep. some of your memories. What were some of the, the moments that really stand out for you? I think, I mean, obviously with the multiple sclerosis, the memories of, of, of the past, uh, not that it's difficult, but it, it sort of comes in more as a fog. Um, one memory that I do obviously have was, um, you know, signing my first professional contract. Um, because you've worked, you work so hard to get to that exact second when that club truly does believe in you. And, you know, they do say that, yes, we do want to keep you. Um, we do want you to be a part of, you know, our team. And I have to say that out of my whole career, um, that exact second was one that will always, um, will always stand out. I do have to say that the, the, <laughs> It's quite funny to say, but the next big part of my life that stood out was the end of my contract because of the MS. So um, the two main focuses of my memory when I look back at my soccer career was the exact second that I started and the exact second that ended. Everything else in the middle is, is a big blur to me um, because I think the brain and the mind focuses on the positive and the negative um, and doesn't look at everything else is a whole picture yeah in 2011 when you got your diagnosis of ms tell me a little bit about where you were at in your career um you'd obviously been playing then for quite a while what yep. were you hoping to do next well i was literally i was at the exact peak of performance uh, of my career so i mean the sky was the limit for me i was in the highest division that you could play for in italy um i was with the men's national team for canada um, I was uh, really uh, excelling uh, in my everyday athleticism. I remember the morning, uh, I remember the exact time and everything that I was diagnosed, which was 10 years ago, uh, a month ago was my 10-year anniversary that I was diagnosed. And I had fallen asleep on the couch. Uh, and I remember exactly, I woke up one morning, uh, the next morning that I had fallen asleep, and I felt sort of that like my arm was asleep. Um, now, obviously, when I mean asleep, it was, I felt like a burning sensation, you know, uh, it was just something that couldn't be explained. 
Uh, I, I went when I had gone to practice that afternoon. I went to go see all the medics that were there, uh, and I had spoken to the doctor directly. And obviously, he, he thought that it might have been a pinched nerve, considering that I fell asleep on the couch. Um, but as the days gone by, it just kept getting worse, 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 and worse uh, until they had me go to the hospital and you know get all the testing done: MRI, spinal taps, uh, CAT scans. Uh, you know, the nerve uh, conducting testing, everything, you know, x-rays, whatever they could have thought of, they did blood work. And I remember the, you know, the, the, the time that the doctor came into her office, um, you know, and she looked at me in the face and said, you know, your career is done. And I mean, at that point there, she had said, you know, within six months, you're going to be in a wheelchair, you're diagnosed with multiple sclerosis and you're telling an athlete this. Um, obviously, you don't know really what to think because, for you, this is news. Uh, it's new. It would be news to anyone. You know, they follow the, they follow their, um, you know, their diet. They follow their training program. They follow everything that has to be that you're checking off a list uh, mm-hmm. to be that top athlete, and then your dream basically gets shut down in a blink of an eye. So it was really hard for me to, um, uh, to digest that. And I know that there's, um, you know, there's there, there, there's a lot of depression. There's a lot of unknowns that do go with that. Um, but it's more uh, under, trying to understand, you know, the whys, which is the big part of it. You know, a lot of people go through their lives. Um, it's not that they don't ever encounter people with an illness or disability, but even when they do have those encounters, they think, not me, um, this is never going to happen to me. Um, or if it does, it'll happen in the very distant future, like when I'm a lot older. How much of a shock was the diagnosis to you? It was a major shock to me. It was something that, in my mind, I didn't accept it, which for years to come, I still didn't accept I had MS, which was scary because you're told that you have multiple sclerosis. You're told that it's most likely going to get worse. Um, You know, you're told to take medication. You're told to do all these different things, but your mind is saying, well, wait a sec. No, no, I don't have it. There's no way. So, you know, your mind also turns to, well, if, if that's the case, I, I want to get te- these tests done again. I want to get this blood work done again. I want to double, triple, quadruple check that, you know, maybe they made a mistake. Um, it was very hard for me. And considering that the day I found out, the next day my contract was cut, uh, was made it even more harder. Uh, because as much as you're in the professional world, one second, you're out of the professional world the next second. I mean, it's a business at the end of the day. If they look at you're not a moneymaker anymore um, and you can't bring money into the federation or into the club, uh, they look at it as, well, there's someone else that will. It doesn't matter how good you are. What did you do after that? So you're, you've just gotten this debilitating diagnosis. You're in shock. Yeah. They've cut your contract. What does Julian do with himself the day after that? Um, I basically packed all my things. Uh, within a week, I was home. And for a good two years after that, I would say a severe depression. I didn't talk to anyone. Uh, I didn't. I mean, I left my uh, my house once in a while, but I was very depressed considering soccer was all I knew. That's all I understood. That's all I knew. There was nothing else in this world that I wanted more to obviously be that professional soccer player and make my family, make my friends, make everyone proud. That you know, all the hard work that I had done paid off in a sense that. You know, all the hard work when you were a kid that your parents put you through in a sense that they would drive you here, they would drive you there. 
you know, going to tournaments, going to games, going to all these things, um, that there was a meaning behind it. So, I mean, it was more of a, a brain recognition that maybe something wasn't, uh, wasn't right. Yeah, I was going to say, you know, you're not the first person to say that my family played such a big part. They drove me to practices. They bought me the equipment. They did a ton of things for me to make sure that I could achieve my dream as an athlete. How did your family and your friends uh, and your peers react to your diagnosis? As I mentioned, like growing up, I never really had that friendship uh, with people. I never really wanted to have friends because friends would have took, taken my attention off of what I wanted to become. So when I came back home, all I really had was family. Um, and still to this day, I don't, I don't like getting close to the outside in a sense that I have my family and my family is number one. I've just always been like that. And I mean, if you were to ask me where my friends are, my friends are all in Europe. My friends are all in Italy. My friends are all in England. Uh, in Portugal, they're all spread out throughout the world, which, I mean, they were very, very, very supportive of me. Whenever I speak to them, which I still talk to each and every one of them, I would say once a week, I would, you know, just a message of how everything's going. And, you know, they'll ask me how I'm going. But I guess for them, it hurts as well because they see me slowly deteriorating um, when I was, when I wasn't that person growing up, right? Mm -hmm. But my family, um, you know, my mom, my dad, my two brothers, my sister, my brother-in-law, my nieces and nephews, uh, my wife now and my daughter are very, 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 very supportive. Um, as much as um, it's it's hard uh, because you look at MS and you look at all the side effects that MS does have, um, it's difficult raising, you know, my daughter, she's a year and a half and you know, all these things that you wanted to do as a father, you can't, I mean, you can do them, but it's at a very, very, very uh, hard uh, go. Uh, you know, I'll never be able to go for a bike ride with my daughter. I'll never be able to go for a long walk with my daughter. I'll never be able to do things that you would want to do, you know, go for a walk with your daughter on your shoulders or um, it's just, it, it's really, it really me not messes up the brain, but it, it really puts you on a downer when you think of it that way, because these are all things that you did as a kid with your parents and you grow up wanting to do it with your kids, but you can't. And, you, and it's not that you can't because you don't want to, you can't but because you actually can't. Mm -hmm. doesn't matter how hard you try. I'm Joita Gupta and with me is Julian Uccello, who is a former soccer athlete and now a coach. He's joining us from Richmond Hill, Ontario. We're talking about Multiple Sclerosis Awareness Week. Julian, previously in our conversation, you said that soccer was your world. You absolutely loved it. How in the years since your diagnosis have you managed to regain some of that and make your way back to soccer? So as I mentioned uh, previously, for the first two years that I was back, I, you know, I did go through that severe depression until I uh, picked myself up and said, you know, there's there's got to be something out there that can give me this happiness. Um, aside from my job that I have now, I, I, I wanted to look at the soccer world and sort of give back to the community because of all the happiness that it brought me and all the joy that has, it had brought me growing up and, and in my professional career. Um, I wanted to give that knowledge to kids that are younger. Now, I was uh, I coached the Woodbridge Strikers, the under-15 OPDL team, which we ended up ranking second nationally. Um, 
and just seeing the joy on these kids' faces when, you know, we would win a tournament or they, they did win the Charity Shield, which is one of the biggest league for their mm-hmm. age group. Um, and them just understanding that their coach did have multiple sclerosis and maybe I wasn't able to show them the exercises or show them how to do something, but the level of thought and knowledge um, that they basically absorbed that I gave them. And when I see them use it towards their daily soccer lives, it made me happy because seeing the smiles on their faces and seeing how happy they were and how hard they worked brought me back to when I was their age and having that idol or having that someone to look up to that went through the life that they want to go through meant so much to them. Um, I mean, at, at the end of the day, I, I obviously with all, you know, with the multiple sclerosis as a diagnosis and as much heartache as it brought me, I wasn't going to let that stop me from showing the world or showing the soccer world um, that, you know what, my knowledge in the game is, um, is put to use. Mm-hmm. That's a really good point. I think that you know you you did gain a lot of experience over the years, over the decades, and at least that's now being put to use and to the benefit of all these young people. Do you still feel a sense of loss when you think about um, your diagnosis? Have you come to maybe accept it? How are you feeling now? Um, I still. I mean, I still don't like thinking about it um, because of the fact that it does bring me back to the point of how it used to be. Um, My life has completely changed. Um, What I used to have and what I have now, I mean, as much as it's two different lives, like I look at, okay, I was a professional athlete at one point, but now it's like, it's two different paths. And now I've got a beautiful family. Like I have my wife and I have my daughter. But if you were to ask me, would I want my wife and daughter or my soccer career? One million percent, I would want my wife and daughter uh, mm-hmm. because the happiness and joy that they give me every day get me through the tough times of dealing with MS. Whereas mm-hmm. the soccer world came to an end because of MS. Mm-hmm. Do you think that the the sports world or the soccer world doesn't quite understand MS? Could they do more to support athletes and find other ways to involve people who've had your trajectory and your experience? What, what are your thoughts on that? Um, well, my thoughts are, I mean, when you're diagnosed with MS, I mean, at the end of the day, there's uh, Canada especially is, is one of the highest rates of people diagnosed with multiple sclerosis. I think there's over, uh, I think, 100,000 Canadians that are living with the disease um daily and every single person has different symptoms so Mm -hmm. there's not one person that has the exact same symptoms which makes it very frustrating for especially the ms um, research because there's not one cure there's not one um, way of looking at the disease which is why there's so many unknowns Um, in the sports world i think that yes they think they i think they need to spread the word or they need to be more accepting towards the the disease because, as I mentioned, there's so many different there's so many different paths that one could take in this disease that they might not 
have any symptoms. They might just have, you know, an arm that is numb. It doesn't stop them from playing soccer. Or they might mm-hmm. just have, um, you know, a, a slur of speech, and that doesn't stop them from playing soccer. But they look at it as, you know, in the sports world, well, you have a disease, you have an illness, you know, see you later. And they got to understand that it's a different type of, of, of illness. A lot of people say that you should focus on a on an athlete's abilities, but in, at least in your case, it sounds like the diagnosis was, in one sense, very career-ending for you. Do you think that there's a, a degree of stigma attached and a degree of ignorance attached with MS that people just don't understand what it is, and what people don't understand, they tend to fear? And you might have been, you might have been held back in your career because of that fear. One hundred percent. I think that there is a stigma when it comes to someone with MS. You know, they think of someone with MS and you're in a wheelchair. Um, but it's not the fact. Um, people, I've seen people that have been diagnosed with MS that are, you know, uh, actually I'm friends with someone from England that is the second, uh, the second strongest man in the world, uh, second handicapped man in the world. Uh, he's in a wheelchair. Doesn't mean he, he, why can't he be the second strongest man in the world? He is. You know, and these are things that as much as we have an illness or we have a disease, we have that the, that much or even more fire than someone that doesn't. And mm-hmm. I think when we get that stigma attached to us or we don't get asked, you know, you know, how are you feeling or how are you doing or what can I do to help or certain things that for a normal person seems easy, you know, for us, it takes 100 times the effort to do it. And as much as we don't want the recognition that we are doing it, I think it makes anyone with an illness feel better with just a little bit of recognition. And I think no one gives recognition to people with a disease or an illness. Do you think that if there was a cure now for MS, you would you would avail yourself of it? I'm very curious about it because on the one hand, you have this you know life before the diagnosis and now you have your wife and daughter and you would not trade that for anything. So yeah. if someone said tomorrow there's a cure, would you would you take it? Um, I mean, that's a very good question. I mean, it's 100% I would take the cure uh, because I can start my life with my family as a normal person. Um, and it's really sucks that you say as a normal person, even though I am a normal person, it's just I have a disease. Um, but again, that has been stig- that has been stuck to you know to people with an illness that you're just not normal anymore. Um, but I would 100% take a cure, which right. I don't think they'd ever find. <laughs> well, uh, we who knows what the future will bring, right? I mean, at one That's point correct. they didn't have a they didn't have a cure for polio or smallpox. So who's to say? Yeah. Uh, tell me a little bit about the month of March. It's uh, Multiple Sclerosis Awareness Month. I know you've been doing a lot of media for MS Awareness Month. Uh, what's the significance for you personally? Um. Raising awareness, obviously, for multiple sclerosis, uh, as much as, yes, March is um, the Multiple Sclerosis Awareness Month, I like raising awareness every day. Um, mm-hmm. And I do have to say it's been recently in the past year that I've really stepped up because I finally understood uh, that deep down that the more people hear about your story, um, the more people will listen. Um, and if you stay sort of all bundled up inside, there's uh, no one is going to really understand and the word will never get out. Um, you know, I just obviously want people to understand that obviously there's, you know, everyday people are living with MS. 
Um, and, you know, we do whatever it takes to move our, our, our bodies and our minds forward, uh, despite, despite all the challenges, which is what we do. And by sharing our stories, you know, we'll help people better understand our lives dealing with MS. And as much as March is the, March is the MS Awareness Month, I think if we can slowly, gradually let people know daily or monthly or yearly, just, you know, always having that better input of what multiple sclerosis is and, and how it defines us as a person, you know, it would be, it would be amazing. A lot of people with disabilities say that it's, I wouldn't say cathartic per se, but it is powerful and valuable for them to share their stories of living with a disability with other people. Has that been of some benefit to you now that you're sort of being very open about your story and sharing it with other, with other people? Have you gained something from that experience as well yourself? 100%. I do have to say that um, since the beginning of year, the year that I, uh, that I have been speaking more people about my illness um, about how hard it's been it's been actually a lot easier and every single time that I do have an interview or I do speak to someone it's like my story comes out a lot easier um, you know if I look back in January when I had my first interview it was more it was more of a sad story it was more of like a tears and um, you know not crying but just a very down type interview whereas now it's more of an upbeat and happy interview because Speaking to someone that does want to hear your story makes me happy because it's like someone's listening. And that's all anyone with a disability wants is someone to listen. Julian, it's been a pleasure hearing your story and listening to all you've had to say. Thanks very much for taking a few minutes out of your day to speak to us on The Pulse today. Thank you so much. I honestly, truly appreciate it. And uh, again, if anyone sees anyone that is in need of a helping hand or even uh, if you know someone that is suffering with a disease, a message saying you're thinking of them and you're hoping that they're well, it goes a long way. That was Julian Acello, who is a former soccer athlete. He's now a coach and he joined us today to talk about his journey with multiple sclerosis as part of MS Awareness Month, which is this March and every March. If you missed any of our conversation, you can find the podcast on your favorite podcast platform. While you're there, don't forget to like, rate, or subscribe. Also head on over to ami.ca forward slash on the pulse. I don't often do this, but if you do have any feedback, you can write to us on Twitter at AMI audio, email feedback at ami.ca, or feel free to give us a call at 1-866-509-4545. That's 1-866-509-4545. Feel free to leave a voicemail for the program and also give us your permission to play the audio on the program. Thanks a lot for listening to The Pulse. I'd like to thank Julian Acello for being my guest on the program today. The technical producer for The Pulse is Nasreen Abdul-Majid. Andy Frank is the manager for AMI-audio. Paula Deneen is our technical supervisor. Most of all, thanks a lot for listening to the program. Stay safe and have a wonderful rest of your day. This was an AMI podcast. For more accessible media, visit AMI.ca.